Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Larry Lees. Today we're continuing our series, Shit Out of Luck, with our focus on one, the only, Al Capone. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at Pondex.com. And remember to use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your first purchase. And also, Audible. Audible is giving out a free Audible 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash Larry21. You also have the opportunity to receive a free audiobook, too, when you sign up for that 30-day trial. And now let's get into shit out of luck. The eventual downfall of Al Capone. With a nickname like Scarface, he'd expect the notorious Al Capone to be taken down for the enormous bootlegging operations he was said to run. The gambling ring is linked to him, the numerous murders with which he was associated, or even at the hands of a rival mobster. But Capone was brought to justice by none other than the IRS. That's right, public enemy number one, Chicago's crime lord Al Capone, and his reign as the country's most prominent feared gangster came to an end because of tax evasion. Here's how Al Capone's criminal syndicate was unraveled with numbers. Alphonse Capone was born on January 17th, 1899 in Brooklyn, New York, to Italian immigrant parents from Naples. He grew up as one of nine children, and despite his Italian heritage, he embraced his American identity through and through, connecting, correcting those who referred to him as Italian in his early teen years. Capone dropped out of school and became involved in gangs with other adolescents. These minor league gangsters mostly occupied themselves with petty theft and vandalism. But Capone would soon graduate to the full-fledged gangs of New York. While working as a bartender in a mob-run saloon, Capone earned his nickname Scarface Al after he made a lewd remark to another gangster's sister. The brother slashed Capone across his left cheek, leaving him with both a scholar scar and his infamous moniker. Soon, Capone moved himself, his new wife, and their young son to Chicago. It's that that moved to Chicago came about with an invitation from his mentor, Johnny Torrio, to join him there. Torrio met Capone in New York years prior and had since established himself in Chicago. It's believed he saw talent in the young Capone. Interestingly, the crime boss had been working under in Chicago was assassinated within a year of Capone's arrival, paving the way for Torrio to take over. Some also note that Capone nearly killed a low-ranking member of another gang in New York and may have fled to Chicago to escape the promised retaliation. Capone arrived in Chicago just as prohibition took effect across the country. While Americans mourned their right to drink intoxicating liquors, organized crime saw new lucrative business opportunities in front of them. Soon, bootlegging became the name of the game in the, game in the criminal underworld across the country. 
By the mid-1920s, it was estimated there were some 1,300 gangs in Chicago alone. Vittorio was shot outside his home and convicted of bootlegging. He handed the ring to the Chicago syndicate over to Al Capone. At just 26 years old, Capone was suddenly in charge of the outfit's wheeling and dealings, but the youngster quickly proved himself. In fact, Capone had been credited for helping Chicago surpass New York as the throne of gang activity. Of course, bootlegging wasn't their only option. Operation, I should say. The gang also dabbled in brothels, gambling, extortion, and murder. And that of some 200 people is said to be Capone's doing. In 1928, Capone was dubbed the greatest gang leader in history by the New Yorker. And by 1929, his net worth was estimated to be in the multi-millions. Capone's epic career paralleled the economic success and opulence of the Roaring Twenties. But the arrival in 1929 meant that disaster was on the horizon. By this time, Capone's dirty yet luxurious life of crime was beginning to unravel. The people of Chicago were quickly growing tired of the gang violence that littered their streets, and one of the most, most famous events attributed to Capone would forever serve as the prime example of gangland violence in Chicago. On Valentine's Day, a group of men entered a garage on the north side of Chicago. Inside were seven unarmed members of Bug Moran's gang, fierce rivals of Capone, who were then lined up against the wall and murdered in cold blood. The men who committed the gruesome act, some of whom were dressed as police officers, were largely believed to be none other than members of the Capone gang. Killings would become known as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Officials would never pin murders on Capone as he was in Florida when they happened. But the events catapulted him to a new level of celebrity. Two weeks later, Capone was subpoenaed to appear in court in Chicago as a witness in front of a federal grand jury for a prohibition violation case. However, shortly before he was due in court, Capone's lawyers filed for a postponement of his appearance, stating he was unable to attend due to illness, bronchopneumonia, which prevented him from embarking on a long journey from Miami, where he had taken up residence. An affidavit from a physician, which was included, stated that Capone had been confined to his bed between January 13th and February 23rd. At this point, the Bureau of Investigations, the precursor to the FBI, was asked by the U.S. Attorney's Office to look into the matter. The Bureau was able to obtain information that noted Capone had certainly not been stuck in bed. In fact, he had visited the dog tracks in Miami every other day, made two separate trips to the Bahamas, and was even questioned by the Dade County solicitor one day. Eventually, Capone made his way to Chicago for a new court date. He completed his testimony, and as he was leaving the courtroom, he was arrested for contempt of court for lying about his illness. Uh, Capone quickly made bail and was released. At the same time, newly inaugurated President Herbert Hoover met with businessmen from Chicago who urged the president to help them with their Capone problem. President Hoover decided that Capone must be stopped, and wheels were set in motion to bring him down. Not two months later, Capone and his bodyguard were arrested in Philadelphia on May 17th. <clears throat> As they were exiting a movie theater, this time for carrying concealed deadly weapons. The pair pleaded guilty and their sentencing was done within 16 hours of their arrest. They were sent off to serve one year in prison, the maximum sentence.
At the time, this was Capone's first time behind bars in his legendary career. There was some suspicion as to why Capone gave up so easily on such a charge, when surely prison was something he had successfully been avoiding for some years, and likely had the money and influence to fight it. Some even wondered if perhaps Capone intentionally got himself arrested in order to obtain some security from rival gangs. His lawyers denied this accusation. Capone would only spend 10 months in jail before being released for good behavior. On March 17, 1930, Despite his newfound freedom, Capone still had the contempt of court charges from the previous year to deal with. More than months after his release, Capone was found guilty on February 28, 1931, and was sentenced to six months in Cook County Jail. Capone quickly posted bail to be released as his lawyers filed for an appeal. In the meantime, a two-pronged investigation of Capone and his affairs began and was run by George E.Q. Johnson, U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois. Half of the investigation was done by the Bureau of Prohibition's Investigation Division, which was to look into violations of prohibition according to the Polstead Act and Capone's operations. The other half of the investigation was done by Frank Wilson and Elmer Ira in the Bureau of Internal Revenue, the name of the IRS at the time. This part of the investigation looked into Capone's finances for money laundering and tax evasion. The issue the government faced, however, was that they were unable to find any substantial evidence directly connected to Capone. Everything was circumstantial. There was no proof of income, no bank accounts, and very little property which could be traced back to Capone. So the feds decided to work on his expenses. The thinking was that if they could show he lived an incredibly lavish lifestyle, then there must have been money somewhere. Where there's smoke, there's fire. After two years of investigation, Al Capone was finally charged with 22 counts of income tax evasion on June 5, 1931. Charges alleged that Capone owed more than $215,000 in back taxes, an amount derived from an estimated $1 million in income he made between 1924 and 1929. This was just the amount the government could prove he had, meaning Capone could have made much, much more. It's reported that during the investigation, representation for Capone had been in talks with the Bureau of Internal Revenue. Capone reportedly offered $4 million in a compromise to end the prosecution and the tax evasion case. But writer and reporter Jonathan Eag notes that not only did the government decline the deal, they also turned it around on Capone and his counsel, using it as evidence that he did indeed have income in the years he allegedly evaded income tax. A week later, the other side of the investigation came in for the kill. 5,000 violations of prohibition were brought against Capone and 68 associates. This indictment alleged that Capone and associates conducted a business involving $25 million a year. The charges were dubbed a death blow. Al Capone's trial for tax evasion began on October 6, 1931, an almost entirely rural jury. Jerry was taken on the tour of Capone's expenses to, through salesmen who testified about his purchases, including details of a luxurious silk underwear, which emitted laughter from the court and embarrassed smirk from Capone. The jury were said to be aghast at Capone's expenditures as he would routinely spend $30 on a shirt, over $100 on a suit, and $12,000 on a car. On October 7th, or 17th, 1931, Capone was convicted on five counts of tax evasion. 
And on October 24th, he was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Capone was left dumbstruck after the sentencing. The New York Times reported that he was trying to appear casual and unbothered, but that it was clear that he was anything but. The 11-year sentence was quite a shock compared to the two and a half years he had previously been promised. Capone was also ordered to pay court costs for the prosecution, in addition to $50,000 in fines and $137,000 in back taxes, amounting to a total of $287,328. Capone stayed in the Cook County Jail while he tried to appeal, but when those failed, he moved to the U.S. Penitentiary in Atlanta, where he spent the first couple of years of his sentence before being transferred to the infamous Alcatraz in August 1934. By 1938, Capone's health was rapidly deteriorating due to late-stage syphilis, which had never been treated. He began exhibiting signs of dementia. In 1939, he was released from Alcatraz for good behavior. At this point, it's reported that his mental capacity had significantly diminished. Capone made his way back to Florida, where he stayed with his family until his death on January 25, 1947, turning, just turning 48. And just like that, the extraordinary large life of the number one gangster in his action-packed chapter in American history fizzled out, but not without leaving behind an enduring legacy of crime, glamour, and tax evasion. Let us know your thoughts on the shocking downfall of Al Capone in the comment section below. Let us know who you want covered in future episodes of Shit Out of Luck. And as always, you can be a part of the show by sending us a voicemail at 682-305-0483. And you can remain anonymous if you'd like. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. You can also listen to us on Good Pods, which is a podcasting app available on Apple and Android devices. And now we'd like to continue our segment on Poddex with the True Crime Deck which is available on the Poddex app. The first question is, what was the first true crime case that got you hooked? Mm, that's tough. Mm, I'm gonna, I think it was, I'm gonna say, I'll say it was the Zodiac just because nobody knows what happened, who he was, and he's still a free man if he's still alive. But he's probably dead. But yeah, the bad killings. So I leave that question up to you. What was the first true crime case that got you hooked? Answer in the comments section below, and we'll feature you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.